Good evening, everyone. It's good to be here. Um, I think it's an interesting book that we're studying out of. Distinctive beliefs of the Anabaptists. You know, when something is distinctive, it's very different, isn't it? It's just, it's not the normal thing. It's not normal. It's different. And we know the Anabaptists early church were certainly were different in their time. And so likewise, we today, I think it's a good uh, reminder of where they, uh, where they were and where we're at. I'm very, as I was studying this lesson, I was like, praise the Lord for our faithful fathers, our faithful leaders, our faithful church leaders, We have so much to be grateful for. Um, we have, like Randy said this evening, uh, we're going to be studying or going over uh, chapter 5 and 6, maybe 7. Um, I struggle a little bit knowing how to teach a lesson when everything's put into the book. You know, I, I think he did an excellent job, David Burkholder. I almost feel like it probably just better off reading it and you know, just keep my mouth, I mean, that's about it. But anyhow, I think what I'm going to do tonight, I, I was like, I struggled with that a little bit. I said, I told my wife, I'd almost rather teach a Sunday school lesson because I think I know a little more how to maybe place it or whatever you want to call that. Just to, uh. But I think what I'm going to do uh, this evening is uh, I read a lot of it and have some scriptures to, to, back, to back it up. I mean, he has so many good points in and he has reference there, and I think we'd like, I'd like to uh, open it for volunteers to read some of these references that I uh, put down and just be very open to the Spirit and just be open to share. Because I, I know I'm going to miss a lot in here, but I want to be open to your, um, your, uh, your, uh, tr the truth that you have learned or gleaned from this lesson It's like Randy said, the, uh, the Anabaptists, they valued the scriptures. They really did. If they wouldn't have, we probably wouldn't be where we're at. Their view of the scriptures was very valuable to them. And it, makes, it gives me a deeper appreciation for, for them. You know, it seems today we're so used to our, or how should I say, we get kind of callous. You know, we're raised in Christian homes. We have that Christian heritage. It's just kind of an everyday thing. Well, you became, you became a believer at whatever age. So we accepted the Lord. We asked Christ to come into our hearts. We uh, got rid of the old man. We put on a new man. And we're, here we go, and we do kind of stumble once in a while. We get right with God. It's just kind of easy to go on like that and kind of think it's, it's, it's just the average thing. You know, yeah, we're, but I think if we really see what, where we're at today and see all the faithful fathers that uh, were faithful and valued the scriptures very highly, they valued it, and when you value, some, value something, you really, like Randy said, you take care of it. You make sure it's taken care of. They believed the scriptures. You know, their view of the scriptures, I don't know how often it is in here, but David Burkle has it pointed out that 
you know, his points like the Anabaptists, you know, they believed, and they believed, they believed, they believed. I mean, it's, that's faith, believing. So I guess I'm going to be starting with uh, chapter 5. I, if you have your books, you can follow along. Uh, I'm going to be reading the introduction there. I think it's, uh, like I said, it, I think he has it put down very, very, very good, very uh, in place. The, I'm going to start in the first paragraph there. The Protestant reformers did seem to regard the scriptures highly. Martin Luther translated the Bible into German because he wanted everyone to read it. Swingley preached from the Bible beginning verse by verse in the book of Matthew. He spoke against such things as hypocrisy, laziness, idleness, excessive eating and drinking. His teaching rose the band of believers who later became the Anabaptists. I, you know, um, I'm not sure how would you word that. Uh, I think for Martin Luther and Swingley, you know, they had the right thing in mind. But, you know, it seemed like, I believe, they still... Maybe they didn't quite value the scriptures high enough because if we read down further in the next paragraph, we see how it goes on to say, but, but when faced with the question of practicing and requiring what they themselves taught from the Bible, both Luther and Swing, they said in a in sense, we are going to wait until the state gives us approval to do so. The question he has here, did the reformers really accept the authority of the scriptures? Did they really accept it? They want to see what the state has to say. And I think sometimes, we, if we're not careful, sometimes we get like that. We're... Okay, this is what the Bible says. I, I know the God's word. I know it's the truth, but... And we kind of start making a few excuses. We want to see what they have to say or what brother so-and-so says before we can really seem to accept. But anyhow. And then, uh, then he goes on to say here, the Anabaptists believed that obedience must follow and accompany the belief faith. They understood that a person lives what he believes. He who claims to believe the scriptures but does not obey them is presenting a gross contradiction, and we all know that. It's, 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 it's gross. It's not good. It's bad. It's contradicting. Then he goes on to say, the Anabaptists believe the scriptures are the full and final authority. They believe that, that scriptures are the full and final authority. They did not try to modify them to fit their own opinions. That's not always easy, but they did not to try to modify them to fit their own opinions. There's a lot of opinions out there today. We know that. But they did not modify their own opinions. 
everything else, greed, philosophy, and human reasoning had to bow to the authority of God's word. Everything had to bow to the authority of God's word. And that was something that I needed to remind myself. Everything, or totally, or we totally committed to the authority of God. God's word. How valuable is it? The Anabaptists believe that the scriptures are indeed the holy scriptures. The holy scriptures. You know, ain't that beautiful? We all like to be, we all like things that are holy or pure or right. They, they believe that the scriptures are holy, and that's so true. We know that. We read the Bible, we know it's a holy word. It's God's word. Then he goes on to say, they did not think that the paper and ink were holy, but rather that the message of the scriptures is the holy message from God. The scripture is the holy message from God. When an individual allows the holy message of God to permeate his heart and life, he becomes holy. He becomes holy. When you let God's word saturate or fill you and you apply it, you become holy because the word is holy. The Anabaptists believe that holiness must be lived out. Holiness. They expected their members to be yielded in full obedience to Christ and his word. To be holy, they searched the scriptures to see what God's will, will was for their lives. And then they endeavored to live it. In 1 Peter Chapter 1, verse 15 and 16, it goes on to say, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all matter of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. So be ye holy in all manner of conversation. We I think that's a clear... We clearly understand it. Everything we do and say, be ye holy. That's not always easy. It's easy when everything's going well. But when things come difficult, opposition, sometimes it's difficult. But that's a verse, quite a promise. The Anabaptists stood faithful. They were holy. They made it through. The Anabaptists believe that all scriptures is given by an inspiration of God. It's given an inspiration by God. They did not only pick out pleasant good news promise of comfort. They did not, according to David Burkle, they did not do that. Do we have people do that today? They pick out the pleasant, the good news, the promises, the comfort, the things he'd like to hear. Second Timothy three, sixteen and seventeen. 
All scripture is given by an inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Correction, reproof, instruction. I know that's not always easy for me. We don't like to have correction, do we? But when we value the scripture, we will be open to the Lord. They accepted the Bible truth about sin and the sinner. They accepted that. They also believed the scripture that helped the sinner to find deliverance from sin. I'd like to have a volunteer, if you could, for me. Just, uh, read Romans 6.23. If you want to volunteer to read that, raise your hand. I'll, Leanne, thank you. Another volunteer I'd like to have for uh, John 3.15 and 16. Steve, thank you. Okay, Leon, go ahead and read, read your uh, passage there. Okay. They accepted the Bible truth about sin and the sinner. They realized the wage of the sin is death. They believed that. Do we believe that? I think we do, we could say. But there's a lot of people out today, I think, in the modern-day church that would probably have a difficulty accepting that. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Or they could say, well, is that really sin? Yeah, they understand that scripture, but it's, I don't think this is really sin, what I'm into. This is just a little, little different. But the Anabaptists, they believed that. They understood what sin is. Okay, Steve, go ahead. They believed that. They realized Jesus died for their sins. They realized there's freedom. They also believe the scriptures that help the sinner to find deliverance. That's very important. We all understand we're all sinners. But the important part is so we know how to find deliverance if we get into that trap. In the scriptures, they found not only spiritual life, but also commands to be obeyed in everyday living because... They recognized the conditional aspect of the promises of God. They endeavored by the grace of God to meet the conditions and receive the promises. They obeyed in everyday life because they understood God's word. They understood God's promises. I'd like to have two volunteers, I have two references here to, to back his point up here. Matthew 7, 24, if I have a volunteer for Ray. 
Matthew 7, 24 for Ray. John 14, 23. Dennis. Matthew 7, 24. Go ahead, Ray. I think they understood that. We all want to be wise people, wise men, wise women, because God understands. He wants us to be steady, firm, built on a rock. Okay, John 14, 23. God understands us. If we truly love him, we are going to obey him. Correct? If we don't obey him, we probably really truly don't love him enough. It's not so important. The Anabaptists took took a Christ-centered view of the scriptures. A Christ-centered view of the scriptures. They were serious. They took it to the, they want to please Christ. Christ centered view of the scriptures. They made sure they were following the scriptures. They don't want to be, they didn't want to be on the outside. They want to be centered, that they can't fall away. They want to be in the center, away from the trap. And then he goes on to say here, to be Christ-centered meant rejecting any teaching that did not agree with the life and the teaching of Jesus Christ. Very clear answer. Anything that contradicts Christ's teaching. Then he goes on to say here, again speaking of reformers, did not understand the distinction between the the Testaments. They didn't understand the difference between the Old and the New Testament. They found reasons to justify. And he goes and lists the different, the martyrs. And then he asks a question today. People still become confused when they do not understand the change from the Old Testament to the New Testament. They don't understand. They get confused. Why? Anybody have an answer? The question is why? Why do they get confused? Anyone else? We're having Bible school. So I guess usually in a school we have some response. I'm just open. 
<laughs> I'm not sure. Why do people get confused? I think some of it is maybe a lack of trust, lack of uh, understanding, which it kind of speaks of, just lack of understanding the difference between Jesus' death and resurrection. I know uh, we used to have a neighbor. He was raised in the Anabaptist church. Very nice fellow. Uh, got married to a girl from outside the Anabaptist and soon they were living a Jewish life. Like, hmm, okay. Lambs, got lambs in, sacrificing them. I was like, okay. Justifying, not fully understanding. If we think what Christ did for us, I can't imagine what he thinks when people are there, you know, doing the lamb sacrificing. But anyhow, people come confused. And then it goes on to say, they used the Old Testament in their attempt to justify the things such as wearing jewelry, going to war, being involved in civil government. Anybody have any thoughts on that? I think that's a big one. Do they really believe the New Testament? Do, really, do they really value the New Testament? What does the New Testament say about war? Non-resistance, non-conformity. I think that's a, that's a big one. Civil government, politics. The Anabaptists understood the Sermon on the Mount. They understood it. Thank you. Certainly. We can be so grateful for Christ. So grateful. Jesus' words, Think not that I come to destroy the, the law or prophets. I come not. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. He came to fulfill, and he certainly did. The Anabaptists believed the Holy Scriptures. They certainly believed it. Their, their view of the Scripture was definitely distinctive and produced a distinctive lifestyle. A distinctive lifestyle. Is there any questions or thoughts on this chapter 5 here before we get into chapter 6? Food for, yeah, further, for, for further thought, they have seven questions there, but I think I just pass on. We pretty much covered most of that. Church and state are separate. We don't tell the government what we do. We 
Thank you. Chapter 6, the view of the Christian life. The view of the Christian life. The first, the chapter 5, the view of the scriptures. Now we see the, the view of the Christian life. Question he starts with in the paragraph, first paragraph. Do people really believe something that they do not live according? We know the saying, faith without works is dead. Do people really believe something that they do not live according? What should a Christian expect of themselves? What should a Christian expect of themselves? How does God expect Christians to live? True Christians always have been identified by the results of their Christianity. Their lives demonstrate that they have been with Jesus. Sometimes it's very easy to identify, isn't it? So beautiful. You can identify they've been with Jesus. Then he has the account here in Acts chapter 4. I'm going to read a couple verses out of there. It's a familiar account, but it's, I think, something I gleaned from it, kind of refresh. Peter and John were going to prayer meeting one night, and there was a lame man at the gate. And did that ever make things happen? I was almost going to say make the news. They, people realize there's something different with Peter and John here. Something is different between the, the ordinary, the ordinary here. Acts chapter 3, I'm just going to read that one verse here. In verse 6, it goes on to say, Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give to thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, Nathas, rise up and walk. Now we know the lame man was sitting there expecting some money. But Peter said, we don't have that. But we do have something. We have Jesus. And how to think of that? How do we respond today? Sometimes we can't always have the answer, but we can let them know we have Jesus. Verse 16. And his name through faith, in his name hath made this man strong, whom ye have seen and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness of the, in presence of you all. And then he go on and start preaching repentance. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when, that, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. People were seeing something different here, Peter and John. Chapter 4, verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the important man, by what means is he made whole? Be it known unto you all 
and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even him does this man stand before you whole. It was very clear they gave everything to Jesus. It was all through Jesus Christ. It was nothing on their own. Nothing on their own. So beautiful. We can see Jesus in their lives because it was nothing credit to themselves. Nothing to themselves. Then, now, verse 13. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. They understood it. They, they, they said they were unlearned and ignorant. How are we today? Are we unlearned and ignorant to the world outside of us? I believe we probably are if we're living a true Christian life. They look at us like it don't make sense to me. But we can share the good news, just like Peter and John did. The Anabaptists believe that all men are sinful and need Christ's atonement. They understood that one must sense his personal guilt before God in order to become a Christian. Beautiful. They understood we all have sinned and come short the glory of God. They, they understood that. That was clear. It was a direct contradiction of infant baptism, it goes on to say. They truly repented and rejoiced in having their sins forgiven through the blood of Jesus. It's said, you, know, you can't fix a problem if you don't know there is a problem. So if you don't have guilt in your heart, how are you going to know if you're a sinner? You, Romans 6.23, we all have sin and come short to the glory of God. Beautiful. I know there was a, there was a, a saying, and it was a true story of a man that was in his 50s, 60s, was claiming that he really he never sinned. He was, you know, he was just always one of them 99 that never really got into sin. But how deceiving. Everyone fell short of the glory of God. We all are sinners by nature. Spiritual cleansing must be must involve both putting off the old man and putting on the new which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. You know, there's one thing to ask for forgiveness and there's another thing to live it out, to bring in that new life, to put out the old and bring in the new. I would like if I'd have one volunteer yet for 2 Corinthians 5.17. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Leon. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Yeah, go ahead. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, is a new creature, old things are passed away, and behold, all things 
Old things are past. In comes the new. You can't replace something old if you don't replace it with something new, can you? If you let the old there, yeah, you've got to fill the vacancy. And that's so clear. We understand that. Christ died for us. We accept him. We are new creatures. We put out the old. They understood that believers are not their own. They have a new master. Therefore, Christianity affected their homes, their social life, their business involvements, and every other part of their lives. We all understand that when there's a change of heart, everything changes. They're no longer doing this in their business. Their social life changed. They're no longer using bad language. They're honest now, before they weren't. It changes, a new life in Jesus. It affects their homes. No, they're no longer arguing. They have Christ in their heart. They have the meekness, the long-suffering, the patience. It changes. They have a new master. It's Jesus. Can they identify as us with Jesus? The Anabaptists believe that Christians do not live in sin. That's a big one. They believed that the Christians do not live in sin. A true Christian does not live in sin. Willingly. Not saying we can't fall. He has it worded very nice here. He said, they did not believe a person could live in deliberate sin and still be under the grace. But neither... Did they believe that Christians live in sinless perfection beyond the possibility of sinning? That's so true. We have that tendency. We can. We can fall. We need to be careful. They understood not only that God calls believers to a life that is free from sin, but also that God has provided for them when they stumble. These things I write unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate. Praise God. We have a Savior. We can be saved. The Anabaptists believe that Christians do not live in sin. I'm very grateful for that. The Anabaptists... There's a lot of people that call themselves Christians and think they can still live in sin. I have a brother-in-law that has an employee, or he did have an employee, and this employee was a Christian at one time. And this employee had a co-worker that was not a Christian. And in the meantime, this co-worker became a Christian in the same body of believers as this employee. In the meantime, this employee fell away, got into drugs, got into mess. He was married, he had a few children, no longer came to church. True story. <clears throat> and 
Well, okay, so the wife is without a husband. Children without a dad. Church, you know they start this man that fell away and this man that became a Christian start to have a start a relationship. Church encouraged him to get married. Hey, you need a husband? Children need a father? Go for it. And he got married. Anabaptists believe that Christians do not live in sin. Praise God. Any questions? It takes work to keep the marriage together, just like the Christian life. It takes work. It does not mean the road. It is not No, no, it does not mean the road. Any closing thoughts? Thanks for your attendance. Let's keep pressing on. Be distinctive in our beliefs of the Anabaptist Church. May God bless you.